Hello, and you are listening to FatCast. I am Leslie Kinzel, and with me, as always, is the delectable Marianne Kirby. <laughs> Woo! And today we, today we just sort of have like a little potpourri of stuff that we want to talk about. Um, Leslie, we're... I don't like potpourri. Okay, well, there's maybe um, like a ratatouille. That, I think, is a better <laughs> or, you know, descriptive term. Yeah. Like a... Potpourri yeah. is smelly. It's... Uh, yeah. Um, well, I was using it in the Jeopardy sense. And, you I know, do I'm, like the Jeopardy sense. That's a fun category. That's what I meant when I said potpourri. I was thinking Jeopardy-scented potpourri. <laughs> Jeopardy-scented potpourri? Which Does would that sm- smell like Canadian trivia? It would smell like perspiration in Alex Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> actually, so like mustache oil and who knows what else. To start things off on a really gross note, actually, I was reading, and by now this is everywhere, but um, earlier this week I was reading that Lady Gaga is doing a perfume. And apparently, allegedly, she told the company the whatever i don't know who's doing the perfume that she wanted it to smell like blood and semen and because i have a filthy mind i immediately thought like who's gonna wear a perfume that sounds like having sex on your period (laughs) (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with having sex on your period but you know it's it's a more complicated it's it's a more complicated kind of sex. It's not always the most relaxing sex, I think, because, you know, in 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 at least, you know, my experience, things like towels have to be accounted for and There's some cleanup involved. But yeah. you can do it in the shower and I yeah. think that that helps. Doing it in the shower is probably yeah, the the most, you know, low maintenance version <laughs> of the easy sex. cleanup version. Yeah, of sex on your period, but still that was that was initially what and I mean, blood and semen sounds sort of like you know performance art. And, it sounds and... like a Marcy Playground song. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that was awesome! Uh, <laughs> Just say it. Sex and candy, blood yeah, and semen. There it's you the go. B-side. Who's that sitting in my chair? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> lounging, lounging in my chair. Lounging. It's been many years since I've listened to Marcy Playground. I can't remember the last time I heard them, but I was thinking of like, okay, so this is entirely unsubstantiated and has uh-huh. absolutely nothing to do with fat. And if you like Creed, I apologize ahead of time. But a friend of mine who also works with me came to me today and she was like, I have to tell you this story. So there's this, you know, young teenager in Norway walking home where apparently sometimes you get attacked by wolves because it's Norway. (laughs) I don't know. That was in an episode of Metalocalypse, I think. It gets better. (laughs) It gets better. So apparently when you're being stalked by wolves, you don't want to run. You want to, like, make loud noises and puff up. So he'd been listening to music on his cell phone, and he, like, blared it at them, and they slunk away. What he was listening to was not the Metalocalypse soundtrack, <laughs> which is what I would have hoped for Norway being one of the birthplaces of black metal as it is. No, it was Creed. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, even the wolves can't stomach. They weren't, yeah, they weren't, they weren't, you know, they weren't scared. They just, their their taste was offended. <laughs> <laughs> they 
were like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get out of here. We'll attack somebody else, because... Woo! Uh, so, on, on all that fun note... Um, Sorry. No, no, no. That's that was that was very amusing. Um, potpourri, <laughs> potpourri, a potpourri of t- of topics, a motley of topics. Yes. Um, I think the first one that we should probably address that people have actually been emailing me about, and I'm sure they're emailing you too, is that Marianne's site is evil. <laughs> I've been like hand flappy about it all day. Like I don't know what to do because I'm the worst like back end person when it comes. To- <laughs> I didn't say anything. Thought it very loudly. I didn't say anything. I'm really bad at the behind the scenes part of blogging, which is why I don't ever change my theme, which is why there's still no link to the book in the sidebar. <laughs> because I'm like, if I touch any of it, it's it'll gonna break. break. <laughs> And I don't have time to sit and, like, learn this whole new thing. That's why I have a Mac. I just want it to work. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. want to, like, poke at the gut. And this is why Macs are wrong. Oh, I had to get that in there. Now, now that's going to cue the angry comments. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to turn this into a, a computer war. But the reality is, is that apparently your site has some malware on it and is, is seeking to spread its evil malware tentacles to the computers of everyone who tries to go to the rotund.com uh and you're gonna we're gonna get that fixed it's gonna be fixed breaking news because (laughs) it's good to have friends who are it professionals who are like it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine (laughs) apparently somehow somewhere someone went to has installed like an iframe at the bottom of my comment page with a link to the malware site which means people are doing things to my site without my consent well this is also a really good argument for updating wordpress immediately (laughs) as soon as updates become available because usually the updates are security related we shall say yes (laughs) I, I have a manual install of WordPress um, because of some pokery and, and whatnot. You don't know why you have a manual install. I don't. I don't. I've switched, like, I've, I've switched domain registrars twice during my tenure at the Rotan.com. Um, I've, I've always had the same hosting site, but there's been, you know, some back and forth. Um, I, I started out using their free themes because I don't like to mess with this shit. But I, um, it's I bartered. the content. It's the content yeah. that's important, and everyone knows that. It's that's the content that that draws people there, not how pretty. Only it looks. partially true. No, no, that's totally true. Actually, I mean, look at some of the most ass ugly sites out, out there, like the Manolo blogs, which the content is good, but they're ugly as shit. And the the reason is nobody goes there because they look pretty. <laughs> and I apologize. I know some of the um, Manolo bloggers actually um, read our blogs and maybe listen to this. And I'm not I'm not dissing your site. I like your site. It just isn't a pretty site. And that's yeah. what I'm. But it's enormously popular, and and they get wildly you know enormous amounts of hits and pages and and the stuff that people track with analytics. If um which I should know more about, except I don't have ads on my site, so I can be blissfully ignorant. But all of I that don't have ads or analytics because I try not to get like obsessed with 
with that sort of thing, and I do get obsessed if it's there as a resource. I like to have analytics because it is like a mystery-solving thing for me. Like, if I suddenly get a rash of commenters who all seem to be coming from some, you know, weird, you know, other perspective, and they all seem to be saying the same thing, um, I'm often like, where did they all come from? <laughs> oh, yeah, so I totes by that. I, I go, just Yeah, so that way with analytics, I can go back and, you know, look at all of my referring sites and be like, oh, they came from you know, fluffybunnies.net or whatever. I have a nasty competitive streak, and when I have no one to compete with... Are, are you there? Fell? I'm here. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where'd you go? I think you dropped for a second there. You were saying you had a nasty competitive streak? I do have a nasty competitive streak, and um, it's anyone who's ever played, like... Soul Calibur or Mortal Kombat <laughs> with me can attest. Um, it's I'm, uh, it's terrible. It's a terrible personality flaw. But the analytics, like those fucking charts that they give you that are so handy and automated, drive me up the wall because I start to compete with myself. Your peaks aren't high enough. <laughs> yes, and I get all like angry at myself, and I berate myself for not being clever enough, and it just quickly goes down downhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, I know what sets me off with my obsessive tendencies, and well, that's site good. metrics are one of them. Yeah, that that's good self care. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, the yeah. other the other hilarious thing is that I also got an email today that apparently my site is being blocked from somebody's. Um, like work internet filter has a porn. So oh my! <laughs> and I think I figured out why. I think it's because I had a live outgoing link to the Real Doll website. Oh, I bet it is from when I I wrote about the the creepy Real Doll uh, Jennifer Aniston. That was and, not a good thread. Yeah, and so I I, I replaced thread, not. Porn. <laughs> <laughs> Although it was awfully porny. Yeah. Um, what I wound up doing was uh, taking out that direct link and linking to a Google search for real dolls. And yeah. hopefully that will uh, re-enter my site into acceptable limits. What's hilarious is that on my old site, on fatchanisa.com, I did a whole post about the April Flora's um, sex toy. Yeah, I remember. Which was like the big fat, you know... Yeah, it's vagina. a big fat vagina. And that never seemed to cause any problems at all. But you well, link to... Uh, one of my oldest friends runs um, Pro-Choice Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And her site has been blocked as porn before. And, like, we think it's just people reporting it as porn. Because oh. it's a pro-choice site in right. Mississippi. Right. And them, them, they don't cotton to women who like to have body autonomy. <laughs> we don't go into that business down here. <laughs> ProJoyceMississippi.org, y'all. Yeah. It's not porn. <laughs> it is uh, actually a really good resource if you're in Mississippi or that general area um, for pro-choice news and activism and that sort of thing. So, The more you know. The more you grow. <laughs> so for um, point the second, I don't know if you want to take the next one or if you want me to jump ahead. I, I will take the next one. Um, go. Okay. So there's going to have to be links at the end of this 
at, at the end of this this podcast um because I want to talk about dominodollhouse.com mm. um new uh plus size clothing line they've been carrying juniors plus sizes in a fairly limited range <clears throat> excuse me You're but they're, they're they're starting to carry more stuff in um not juniors plus sizes in a fuller range of sizes and i am super excited about that there's this dress that you would wear if you wanted to impersonate a cupcake that sounds like quite a dress (laughs) it's i'm sending you the link i just cannot even it's amazing and i i am in love with it so much it's uh it's a beautiful thing i i i don't even know it's it's all pink and ruffly and oh i saw this on tumblr i think it's because i tumbled it it's a it's a it's basically pink and white lace covered, festooned, if you will, with ruffles. Yes. And I think it's strapless because I was like, shit, I'll never be able to wear that. It is strapless and it's got a big ass bow in the back. Oh, I do like a big ass bow. I like a big ass bow. And not just the bow, but it's got like the tails. <laughs> it's important. And like, like, I swear to God, my favorite thing about independent plus size companies is that they put the little size chart on each individual garment. Yes. I love that with like the most burning, passionate passion ever. That's the most useful thing anybody could ever give me is the measurements of a goddamn garment. And of a specific garment too, like not just a size chart that's supposed to vaguely represent all the clothes there, but like this particular garment fits these sizes. Ijiji has always done that which yes. I always thought was great. And B and Lou always did that, which I always thought, yes. well, they they did it for a while and then they stopped and people were like, what the fuck? And I think they brought it back. Well, I think they stopped because they were like, oh, our dresses only go up to like a, a 20. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm not bitter. I'm totally bitter. Lucy Lou does that with all of her stuff as well. Shout out for Lucy Lou because we haven't talked about her for a little while. Yep. LucyLou.com. Yes. So the birthday bash dress, it is. It's layers of ruffles of pink and white. It looks like a life-size cupcake. And it's the kind of, like, really fanciful ridiculousness that I like to see available in size death fat. It looks, honestly, to me, what it reminds me of is it looks like something that, that may have turned up at Torrid back in the day. In where the day. back when, you know, you would find you could go to Torrid and they would have this completely and I mean this in the best possible way, this completely preposterous assortment of clothing that, you know, some of which fell under easily identifiable headings like, you know, punk and goth. And then they would have this other random shit where you were like, is this for, you know, aspiring drag queens? Because that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Actually, speaking those, of those that, were always kind of the the birthday bash dress kind of reminds me of the dress um, that uh, the uh, huge strawberry shortcake in Showgirls wears in the beginning. I actually I shouldn't say it that way. In Showgirls, there's a sign at the beginning that says "huge strawberry shortcake." And my friends and I used to always joke. We had like callback lines, and we would say, "You know, is that is that a dessert or a dancer?" And because <laughs> huge strawberry shortcake could go either way. And then there's a scene where um, Nomi is playing slots, and you see this big fat 
you know, female presenting person walk by in the background in this giant, ruffly pink dress. And we were like, there's huge strawberry shortcake. It is a dancer. That <laughs> is awesome. And that's kind of what this dress reminds me of. That's, and that's, that's, that's that that whole that whole thing is, you know, like if you really love showgirls, then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you don't, you you will just be sitting here shaking your head. <laughs> I love that the deluxe version of the showgirls DVD came with a drinking game shot glass. Yes. As though we needed one. I mean, like <laughs> that I yeah. found that weirdly insulting, where it's almost like you're capitalizing <laughs> On the work of, you know, snarky queers that has gone on for years now. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't take what, you know, we created and then sell it back to us. That's not okay. It's true. Anyway, um, it, is, it is a fantastic dress, and we will definitely have to link it in the show notes so everyone can bask in, in the, the festoonery. I just, I want there to be... An army of death fats in this dress, <laughs> in some kind of flash mob performance. <laughs> it would make me the happiest fatty on earth. It really would. <laughs> like, we should gather and hand out cupcakes or something. I don't know. Um, DominoDollhouse.com. I like to support, you know, emerging lines. And they are also really responsive on Tumblr and Twitter, uh, where they are Domino Dollhouse, uh, and uh, seem really willing to talk to people and customers and sort stuff out. And that sort of customer service is a really standout thing, I think. So Very cool. Yeah. New retailer of the podcast. Yeah. Everybody pay attention. <laughs> Um, the next thing I wanted to bring up, which, again, is probably old news to a lot of people, but um, I think you and I might have um, opinions on it, is Beth Ditto has a memoir coming out um, this er, – hang on, I don't know if it actually has <laughs> – I don't know if it actually has a release date yet. I know it's supposed to be sort of soonish. Yeah, there's no, there's no release date on Amazon. Um, but she's writing it, actually, with Michelle T., who uh, has is an, an author of probably best known for um, Rent Girl, but you know sort of this well known queer author. Um, I don't. I'm, I'm interested. I'm. It's called Cold to Diamonds, which is the name of a gossip song, and I'm I'm kind of interested in this because I think that Beth has a very interesting story. Um, I'm not. I'm. I don't know. I don't know what to expect from it. I was sort of surprised to see it happening. What are your thoughts? You you were surprised to see a Beth Ditto memoir? I was at least now. Like <laughs> like I don't I <laughs> like I mean I and I it's it's weird because we're in the US and I know that her relationship with you know the audience in particularly in the UK is you know she's incredibly uh well known over there much more than she is here whereas here she's still sort of something like she's in, in the US arguably she's still the kind of 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 uh artist that you know you can tell someone about and then they're like amazed and they fall in love and their their immediate question is how did I not know that she existed for all of these years I'm going to dispute that a little bit really um, I think that's true of her music mm -hmm. but I think she has been dressed by enough designers and photographed with enough models and other famous people that while not a household name, she's still kind of 
you know, she, she's, she's cool and edgy. Um, in the Maybe. sort of American way that we like our people cool and edgy without any concern for what they actually produce. I think I would grant that in like, <clears throat> excuse me, like hipster communities. I yeah. think that she's probably more of, of like an immediately recognizable face. Um, in those communities, but well, I don't know. Also I think a lot of fat Americans, and she yeah. has become something of a fat icon. She has, but I I feel like in my experience that it t- it tends to happen within circles of already avowed fat activists. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just you know sort of near and far that there are are just random fat women. Yeah. Because the unfortunate thing is a lot of the best known pictures of her are pictures that were admittedly intentionally unflattering. Yeah. And I feel like that's not necessarily something that's something that like, you know, fat punk girls are going to look at and be like, fuck, yeah, I want to look like that. Um, but it's not something that, you know, sort of mainstream fat ass women um, necessarily are going to look at and, and aspire to. Um, I think you I know, don't... she was also I mean, she got the of NME. So mm-hmm. I think I think again, I mean, yes, that again is coming out of the UK, but I mean, I I think she's probably more well known at least in some circles than we give her credit for. Well, I think I do agree. I think that there are certain circles where she's obviously immediately recognizable. Yeah. I just don't think she has the same um instant recognition. Um, in the U.S. as she does in the U.K. I think that if you showed, you know, if you took random ass fucking people off the street and showed them pictures of Beth Ditto, they might be like, oh, I saw her in a picture with Kate Moss. But they might not know yeah. her name. They might not know she's a singer. They might not really know anything about her. Whereas in the U.K., it's it's much more connected to her actual music, which is yeah. absolutely fantastic. Oh, totally. So, you know, I think that, and I think that it's, it's I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think that, you know, given that she has a very interesting story, um, I think it's going to be a great read. Yeah. But at the same time, I was just, it was one of those things, it wasn't so much that, I think I was surprised just because I was like, that just didn't strike me as sort of the next, like I could see her doing a solo album, which apparently she's also doing that too. Um, or, you know, sort of trying to do her own um, clothing line that's not sort of chained to Evans. Um, like there were a lot of things that I had envisioned Beth Ditto doing next and writing a memoir just was not one of them. I'm happy that she has. I just was like, oh, well, there's something to look forward to read that I was not <laughs> expecting. <laughs> I, um, so here is my question. Yeah. Why does it like, why does she have to be famous in the U.S. to warrant a memoir? Well, I don't think it's about warranting one. I think I would have been less surprised, I guess. I think, I mean, obviously lots of people write memoirs who are completely not famous for anything at all. And, you know, that's kind of, that's actually a way that a lot of people, to, in like, you know, in like your James Fry case, um, <laughs> is, is to their ruin. Um, but that's actually a means of people becoming you know, famous to some extent in, in American culture. So it wasn't so much that I don't think it's warranted. I, 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 I mean, I think it's as warranted as anyone writing a memoir is warranted. I just would have been, I think I would have been less, like, surprised by it. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it, it seemed, it just, like I said, when I read it, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, that's awesome. But, wow, I, I don't know why I'm so shocked by it, but there you go. 
<laughs> yeah, like, I think she's plenty famous outside of the U.S. to, like, have it be a natural next step. Mm-hmm. Because that is kind of the natural ne- next step for rock stars. And she's interesting. I mean, she yeah. has a lot of things to say. So I'm, I'm really not surprised. I'm like, oh, of course she's writing a memoir. Cool. You know, I mean, Crystal Wren has a memoir. That's true. And uh, a very good memoir co-written with um, yes. Marjorie Engel. And yep. that's called Hungry, and I do yep. recommend it. I know you've read it, too. It's it's on my Kindle. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's, it's you know, what I, I think it's, I think, I think I was surprised because I tend to, I tend to sort of be, like, I tend to try to keep up when books that relate to fatness, queerness, um, you know, all of those, those, the intersection, intersectional shit that I love. Um, are coming up, and then I felt sort of like, like, oh, I didn't know I would get, I would have to look forward to this. <laughs> it's like this is something new. So, so yeah, so that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting when it comes out. I wish we had a release date. I don't know. I, I felt like know. I felt like I had read one somewhere, but I'm not finding it now. And I've been sort of scrolling through Google as we've been talking which yeah. is probably why I've been repeating myself a lot. Um, I feel <laughs> like I had read, I feel like honestly that I had read um, a release date somewhere, but it may not have been wrong. It may have been an incorrect one because I can't find it anywhere, and it's not yeah. on Amazon. And Amazon's usually one of the first places that you find such information. Under the product details on Amazon, Spiegel and Growl, December 31st, 2035. So, <laughs> so obviously that's a fake date that they put in when they don't yes. know the date. <laughs> yes, uh, that that may take a little while to come to us. <laughs> oh my but God. I, I do think it'll be exciting. I, no, I, I do think that's interesting. I'm like, oh. well, what really excites me, too, is I, I'm wondering if she would do any kind of a book tour. And like you know, speaking gigs and stuff like that, because I think that that would be awesome. Um, that would be I, awesome. I mean, she Beth historically has been. I mean, she's obviously an, an intense and incredible performer. Performer, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's known for being a, a completely like one of the most memorable performer that you ever see. Uh, so it would be interesting if she sort of took it in that direction and went around and maybe did readings and signings yeah. and stuff like that. I would be really that would be really great to see. Yeah, I would I would be willing to travel. I think a little ways to see that. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Yeah, very rock cool. on. So what's next on the list, Ms. Marianne? Well, I uh, I have it. It's the two pronged topic. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, prongs are <laughs> that, that I don't even know. Um, <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Tumblr because I think it is not the, I don't know, the most well-known of social media sites. Tumblr, it, I love Tumblr so much. <laughs> I don't even know how it happened. I was just like, oh, I'll get a Tumblr. And then I got a Tumblr, and I was like, holy shit, I really love Tumblr. So Tumblr is a way of sharing different media. Uh, That's all sorts of things. It's text, it's images, it's audio files, it's videos, it's links, it's quotes, all sorts of stuff. Uh, You can download a button to put on your toolbar so that as you browse the web, you can share things. Tumblr has sort of a 
a, you have to have kind of a different attitude about content generation on Tumblr because a lot of it is curated collections of things. Um, there's a whole host of Tumblrs called Fuck Yeah, you know, fill in the descriptive noun here. <laughs> um, I follow Fuck Yeah Blue Hair and Fuck Yeah Nail Art and Fuck Yeah Chubby Fashion, um, which is aces. Awesome, awesome Tumblr. Um, and it's, you know, it, it it's not what you would consider, I guess, first source at, at, at that sort of level. But you do get people also generating original stuff. You just have a lot less control over it because you reblog things and then that really becomes the commentary attached. Uh, it's not... You know, on the blog, when it's not hacked and hosting malware, uh, I am the moderator of the conversation. You know, I control douchebag trolls and things that I just don't think we should have to deal with. And, you know, it's kind of a follow my rules or you don't get to play in my sandbox. Tumblr, you don't have sandbox boundaries like that. When you publish something... Anybody gets to talk to you about it. And it's really interesting. The I like her is that there's an incredibly, incredibly active activist community on Tumblr. Like the fat acceptance is all over the damn Tumblr. And it's not necessarily coming just from, you know, fat activists. It's coming from people who I think would not identify that way, but who are still like, you know what, body policing and fat shaming is wrong. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, use the, the pronouns that people want you to use and, you know, don't, don't use ableist language. And, you know, they're on top of things. And there's a lot of really vital discussions that go on um, that, that I have seen flounder in other spheres. Uh, there's not as much 101 going on, I think. There's a lot more like, I don't know, advanced level conversations. <laughs> and it's kind of accepted as this is the way things should be. So when something deviates from that, you know, that's the thing with the problem. Mm -hmm. It's a little less like, it's an accepted value system, I guess, um, which is a really interesting experience because you're not the minority standing in opposition to the the weight of cultural messages coming at you in this space you know you all get to stand together with this shared value system and when somebody comes in going like but some people just need to lose weight they're the ones who are obviously douchebags mm -hmm which I find to be an incredibly valuable experience. It's also one of those like communities you have to experience from the inside. So like get a Tumblr, follow some people, follow fuck yeah, chubby fashion and, you know, start participating. It's uh, it's quite the fat acceptance place to be. I feel like, um, you know, for me, it, I use my Tumblr really rarely. Like, I, I go through and sort of skim stuff maybe once a week. Um, and for me, the biggest roadblock has been learning that new dynamic 
because it has a very different dynamic. It's not, you know, you might go into it thinking, oh, it's kind of like LiveJournal, or it's kind of like Twitter, or it's kind of like, it's not kind of like anything. It's its own creature. <laughs> it really is, and it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's you know, the, the, like you said, the lack of boundaries is sort of, is fascinating from, when you look at it from as almost a pure example of crowdsourcing and I mean crowdsourcing anything like, you know, here I, you know, I just found this dress and I'm in love with it. Um, you know, shame I can't afford it. You know, if it, if that gets, you know, reblogged enough times or enough people, you know, comment on it, then someone may, you know, find it, you know, have a dress that they want to sell you or, you know, something like that. So it's it's kind of, it's weird because you do wind up communicating with people who you may not, you may only be tangentially connected to in the Tumblr universe, but because your bit kept getting passed along from person to person, it's, it's, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of intimidating, I guess is the word, because there is so, like, there is so little control of it you know, like you put something out there and it just, which, you know, I, I guess the control that we have over stuff we put on Twitter and Facebook is largely imagined anyway. So, but yeah, I think it's really awesome. I think that the activism and specifically the various social justice communities on there are just mind blowing. Yeah. I love it. And I think that it is a, like, it is a weird community if you're used to something even like Twitter. Like, I think Twitter is probably a fairly close relative when it comes to link sharing and that sort of thing. But Tumblr is actually a multimedia platform for that, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't have limits on how much you can say. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to be part of, and there are some really awesome people like throwing, throwing stuff up. Um, ordinary, or fuck yeah, ordinary Muslim guy is the most amazing meme. I love it. Hmm. Um, if you're not familiar, I have to, I have to pull that one up because it's that amazing. Hmm. Um, it's a, <laughs> it's a self-identified Muslim woman who has done the same sort of thing as privilege denying dude, but it's with sort of stereotypes about Muslims and yeah sorry I'm having to spell and talk at the same time <laughs> that's okay well, well we'll link to it so you know people can go and check it out for themselves because yeah. it's, it's, it's but I mean that's as, that's as, the sort of thing that gets generated I think that there is a lot less concern about the tone issue well, to, um, some, to some extent, I feel like Tumblr has turned into, and this isn't all it is, but amongst its functions is almost turning into like a meme factory where <laughs> just memes are just getting churned out one after the other. And and I think that that's like, you know, stuff like privilege denying dude and, and privilege denying girl. And, um, you know, there's there's a million of these like, you know dancing Leo and, you know, all of these, <laughs> these tumblers that, you know, have, which admittedly very few, you know, very few of these, you know, actually are serving a greater purpose aside from just, you know, having, making people laugh, 
Yeah. Because you're just absurd and they give us an outlet. And that's that's awesome, too. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know, nose to the grindstone activism all the time. Sometimes we can, you know, make up a, a privilege denying dude image and just, you know, laugh and be like, oh, I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's that's the thing, though, about Tumblr is that it's easy to look at it and think that it's just or that it's predominantly things like that, but then somebody will post something asinine and people will use, you know, one yeah. of these one of these macros in response and somebody else will offer like a point by point logical takedown mm-hmm. and you get this whole variety of responses. And because people are reblogging things from different people, it becomes this huge web of responses and there's you know, there's always something to look at and always something Always something to think about. One of the, my most interesting recent experiences with Tumblr was um, I had a quote from one of the two eating disorder posts I did recently that blew the fuck up on Tumblr. Like it was the, the times like that. That was an example where I had to go to my analytics to figure out what the hell was going on. <laughs> uh, but yeah, blew the fuck up on Tumblr. And I found the original, you know, thousand plus, you know, liked and reblogged post. Right. And what blew my mind was that and this got, you know, I found this like halfway through. And it it was it was being liked and reblogged as much by pro eating disorder tumblers as much as it was fat acceptance tumblers. Huh. And and that's an that is one of the things that really fascinates me about that environment is that it is it's an environment in which you can have two groups that would seem, you know, philosophically, ideologically, to be completely opposed to each other, but they're both finding the same information and they're sharing it in the same way. And I think that the, the, the potential there to create dialogue between groups that normally would avoid each other is incredible. I mean, that, that's, that's a great opportunity. Right. So, you know, I, that, that actually made me really, really happy. Like, at first, I, I clicked through to one of the, um, the reblog links, and the first one that I found that was a pro-Anna Tumblr, I was like, <laughs> like, what just happened? Like, like, everything else on this woman's blog is about, you know, having eaten, you know, a handful of almonds all day, and, you yeah. know, which is, is what, you know, you do. And... I, I sort of was like, you know, and I, I work, I, I really, really try not to judge pro-ED people. Um, yeah. I think it's damaging, and I think it's a bad idea, but I'm not going to judge individuals, because there's obviously, you know, stuff going on there that, and ultimately, I don't get to police what they do. Yeah. So, it it was it was an interesting moment for me to get to confront that, and be like, hey, you know, knee-jerk, McKnee-jerk over here, you got to chill out. And not be like, get that off your blog, because that was that was my knee-jerk reaction. And then I'm thinking, Leslie, you're such an idiot. Like, why <laughs> would that be your reaction? <laughs> so, yeah, and then I sort of, you know, came to a Zen place about it, where I'm like, you know what? If if people are getting something out of it, then I'm happy about it. And, and I'm not, you know, if it doesn't matter who that person is. And I think that that's one of the fascinating things for me about Tumblr, is because you ha- it, it kind of breaks down these barriers, and yeah. it allows us you know, to hook up and, and to share things in common with people that under normal circumstances we would assume we couldn't possibly have anything in common with. Yeah. Um, part two of my my little Tumblr bit, uh, Tumblr-related 
business. Uh, one of the kind of cool features on Tumblr is that people can ask you questions and there's a built-in sort of mechanism for doing that. But I got a question from an anonymous Tumblr person um, <clears throat> yesterday and I thought it would be interesting to get both of our takes on it. Um, and it's an anonymous person. Hi, anonymous. Um, Hi, I discovered- Anon. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered FA about a year ago, and I've gone through a lot of different phases of acceptance and thinking and ideas and such. On an intellectual level, I am so proud of my body because, well, because it's my body. On an emotional level, though, I still can't move past wanting to look different. And it's not even just sometimes wishing to be smaller. It's oftentimes being completely okay with my weight and the sizes I wear, but wishing I could change the shape of my body. If only I carried my weight this way, I'd be more attractive. I know all of the reasoning and the arguments, and I'm there intellectually. Do you have any words of wisdom on getting emotions over that hump, too? Interesting. Which I think is a really good question because, I mean, that is kind of that that is kind of a really difficult place to exist when you're like, okay, I get it. You have logicked me to death. <laughs> Emotionally, I'm still having some sort of disconnect from applying these standards and you know really seeing it when I look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is. I mean that that's kind of the hardest struggle is being able to apply that stuff to yourself. In part because controlling your weight and your body stands in for so many other things. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that when I am stressed out, I am particularly harsh about my body, even though my stress is I have 50 million things to do at work, which has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I smile crooked, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) You have a cute smile, though. It's crooked. <laughs> but it's cute crooked. But it's crooked. <laughs> yeah, it it bothered me my entire life. But, you know, it's it's a thing. It's my smile. What am I going to do? Um, on a good day, yeah, what am I going to do? On a bad day, I'm like, oh, my face is defective. <laughs> well, uh, what's, what's what interesting? Do- what do you have to say? What's interesting for me is pretty much, arguably, well, let's say 80%. 80% of my um, stress about the shape of my body comes from clothing, and 20% comes from restaurant booths. Um, and they're both for the same reason. Um, my shape-related stress has to do with the fact that I'm very apple-shaped, but I'm kind of not apple-shaped. I'm actually more of... What have I said before? I've said like butternut squash shaped. Butternut squash, um, eggplanty. Yeah, sort of eggplanty too. Um, basically, I'm sort of straight up and down from the waist in the boobs area, um, and then with pretty much no defined waist. And then I have hips and an ass, yeah. um, which is not really apple. Traditionally, it's just you know all sort of big in the middle and then slender everywhere else. So I I specify different vegetables. <laughs> But um, for me, the the uh, the stress comes from the fact that I have a big middle role where other people have nipped in waist, and clothes are pretty much pretty universally designed to fit a nipped in waist, even plus size clothes that are very generous in the waist because they expect you to be fat. Yeah. Uh, very often, still go in where I do not. And so there's a certain I, – I, I get body frustration very often 
based on, you know, I buy a dress and then I, you know, or, you know, if I order it online and I get it and then I try it on, or if I'm in a store and I try it on. And that role, you know, interferes with the way the dress is supposed to sit. That right. that gets me incredibly frustrated, incredibly stressed out. The thing that I always have to remember in those circumstances is my body is what it is. I cannot move the role, the role. <laughs> Your is, body is, is not the culprit. <laughs> this this mountain is not going anywhere. <laughs> um, it's it's I, not. I have William Shatner's mountain <laughs> you want to make love to the mountain <laughs> I, I felt we need to link to that it's May, send an me the link. Special. yeah send me the link so i can share that that joy with everyone why but do yeah, i have this... that link in hand <laughs> this role isn't you know i there's nothing that i can do about that i can't really do anything about the fact that you know most clothes are cut not to fit my shape and i can't really do anything about the fact that the role exists while still maintaining the shape of the rest of my body, which I have no problem with. I don't have a problem with my ass or my hips or my arms or my head or my neck or my, you know, very tiny boobs or my thighs or my legs or anything like that. Um, it's just this this one, and it's purely a space issue for me. It's a dimensional issue um, that, yes, I want it to fit into this dress, and it doesn't, and it's because of this role, but it's really because that dress is not cut to accommodate you know, the way my body happens to be shaped. Um, restaurant booths are the same damn thing where, you know, my husband actually, because my husband has even less tolerance for even slight discomfort when he is eating. So he very often will just automatically ask for a table pretty much wherever we go, um, which, you know, sort of makes that not a problem. But sometimes you want to sit in a booth. And it's gotten to the point now, and this may be true for you as well, Marianne, that I actually have, like, memorized, <laughs> like, restaurants where the booths are comfortable and restaurants where the booths are totally not negotiable. Um, and, again, that's something else where it's very easy to sit crammed into a booth at Friendly's with my, you know, my husband and his family and feel like, ugh, like I'm I'm being cut in half by this stupid table. And, you know, it's very easy to sit there and be like, well, it's my fucking body. Like, why why is my body shaped like this? If this role was, you know, redistributed in, I don't know, my tiny, tiny-ass tits, then maybe, <laughs> maybe this would be less of a problem for me. But, the re I mean, as much as we say that, we're, you know... I guess I'm, what I'm doing here is, is offering a whole lot of relating and not a whole lot of solutions. I was going to say, let's bring this back on topic. I think that the, the, you know, the best solution is to learn your, you really develop your own coping strategies and your own means of reminding yourself that, yes, you know, you're, I'm not shaped the way that, you know, even for a fat person, I'm not shaped the way it's, is more acceptable. Uh, marginally more acceptable for a fat person to be shaped and to recognize where that comes from and to, you know, sort of work to, to just see through that and push past it because ultimately it is arbitrary. The the placement of, you know, booths, in, and I've been in enough restaurants to know booth size is incredibly arbitrary. There are ones that are huge and there are ones that are tiny for no apparent <laughs> reason. And if that doesn't, you know, that's one thing that I always sort of remind myself is that, you know, this isn't, it's not like every booth in the world is like this and I am a freakish monster because, not that I'd be a freakish monster even if it were, but it would be easier to believe that. Um, it's that, you know, this is just an arbitrary measurement. Some are going to be big, some are going to be small. I'm not going to fit in all of them. That's cool. 
I just got Goldilocks keep... and the three booths. Pretty much. Leslie yeah. Locks and the three booths. It's true. I find that places like Denny's and Friendly's and, you know, those those kinds of chain places tend to be the least accommodating, which I don't understand because the food that they serve tends to be very fatty. That's so, so interesting would... because the Denny's here have huge booths. Well, you're you're in in the south too. And I, I, I'm not even joking, man. I wish I were, but like in, I go down south. I go down to Florida, and I'm like, wow, there's so much space everywhere. Like space it's... between tables, space between racks and stores. Whereas up here, there are stores. Like there's bookstores, little independent bookstores that have aisles that I cannot fit down. <laughs> you are not. It adding anything to the I could move to Boston and not die like chart. I just want you to know. I also think too because a lot of places up here are older and most of the stuff you know, it, particularly in Florida, tends to be built more recently. Um, I feel like it. it yeah, if it's, it tries if to it was built pre nineteen fifties. If yeah. it was built pre nineteen fifties in Orlando, it is ass old. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Oh, Florida. But yeah. Um, so <laughs> my my sort of addition to that um, is that it helps to identify where, you know, what what sort of is triggering these moments of, of body hatred um, and actually dealing with those things because it is so often not body related at all. Um, and I also find it really incredible incredibly helpful like it's hard to think I look like shit when I'm wearing clothes that I love I gotcha okay um I'm like are you there what happened I'm here um, I, had, I had it muted because I was drinking water <laughs> and I didn't want it to be glub 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 but no it's it's hard to hate my body and the shape that my body is if I'm wearing things that fit my body um there's places that i just don't even bother you know trying stuff on because it's not cut for me and while i may look at it and go oh that's cute you know a dress off the rack from Ishakti is never going to fit me as much mm-hmm. as i drool over their site sometimes you know it's just it doesn't accommodate certain assets areas <laughs> yeah so you know instead of going once again like oh well i'll try and maybe and no i just you know I'm, it's a work i'll buy from places that do work it takes a lot of work to identify the stores that cut for your body and the the styles that work with your body like i i i don't want to be uncomfortable i don't want to wear khakis ever um you know like i have a couple of basic rules (laughs) and as long as i am dressing in a way that makes me happy it is so much easier to have that sort of emotional connection with my body Mm -hmm. it ties it in the intellectual yeah so yeah hopefully that's helpful anon go for it anon (laughs) Um, I had two other really quick things I wanted to bring up if you're still game for more potpourri Um, thing the first Taco Bell beef have you heard about this I'm terrified to ask 
Okay, basically, apparently there's a lawsuit. Somebody came up with a, I think it's somebody in Alabama, which is, makes this even more hilarious to me. Um, apparently there's a, a law firm in Alabama that is suing Taco Bell for false advertising because their meat is not enough meat to count as meat. So what initially happened was somebody, I guess, I don't know if it's somebody who worked there or how this, or if this was part of the lawsuit or what, but somebody snapped a picture of the ingredients list on the vat or garbage bag or whatever the fuck the meat gets transported <laughs> to the Taco Bell in. And um, I'm going to read you the ingredients. Are you down? I'm terrified. Let's let's do it. Okay. No, but this is the thing. This is this is where I actually got sort of irritated because the original article says, you know, the list of ingredients is gruesome and I'm thinking, oh my god, it's gonna actually candidly announce there's lips and assholes in the meat. <laughs> so the the list was actually sort of a, a letdown after that. Um I probably I'll probably skip sort of some of this, but uh beef, water, isolated oat product. Salt, chili pepper, onion powder, tomato powder, oats, uh, soy lectithin, sugar spices, maltodextrin, soybean oil, uh, garlic powder, autolyzed yeast extract, citric acid, caramel color, cocoa powder, which is a little weird, silicon dioxide, uh, natural flavors, yeast, modified cornstarch, natural smoke flavor, salt. So I thought the salt was up there already. It was. I guess it has extra salt. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Sodium phosphate and less than 2% of beef, beef broth, and then potassium phosphate and potassium lactate. Um, yeah, so I read that thinking like, oh, that's, you know, that's not that bad. I actually started to write a blog post about it, but because you, both you and Michelle over at Fat Nutritionist have really talked about this um, frequent, like very recently, I didn't want to rehash stuff that you guys had already done. Um but yeah, so I kind of read it and thought like, okay, maybe because I've, you know, was a vegetarian for so long, this does not faze me in the least. I think people are outraged because the beef that comes first in the list is apparently 36% of the mixture. And although Taco Bell has since come back and said it's actually 88%, but who the fuck knows. Um, so yeah, it's basically like meat with like, you know, vegetable protein mixed in. For, for yeah, volume. I was waiting for, I was waiting for there to be something outrageous on the list. Yeah, like you know, and I'm like, so it's mashed up meatloaf, pretty much, pretty much. And this yeah. is the thing: it's not just that, and it's not just the lawsuit. Um, you know, Taco Bell apparently their position is, but it is meat because we start with meat and then we mix. Apparently, the way Taco and this is kind of fascinating to me, Taco Bell apparently is of the fast food joints where you can eat. Allegedly, Taco Bell is one of the safest to eat at for this reason. Pretty much nothing is cooked on site at Taco Bell. They cook it all in big old Taco Bell factories and then they ship it there and you're, you know, not real smart kid who's putting together your taco. All they have to do is reheat it. Um, which means you get way fewer chance. There's your your risk of salmonella is like way reduced because everything's already been cooked and they don't have to worry so much about safe practices. Um, Depending on what's going on at their factories, it may be good for cross contamination for allergy purposes too. Yes, that's that's another thing to consider. Um, so you know that was that was one thing that I thought was interesting. And and Taco Bell's you know perspective is that 
we the meat that we start with is meat. We mix it in advance of sending it to the stores. But it, it was meat when we started. Like, all we do is make sure all the seasoning and everything is already in there when we send it to the stores for them to actually assemble into food that people eat. And right. so, you know, it's far be it for me to stand up for, you know, Taco Bell, but I kind of <laughs> get what they're saying. With that, the thing that has enraged me, and this is a topic that you are very fond of, is the response from, you know, in comments on Gizmodo and on... Actually, I think this got cross-posted all over different Gawker sites, so it was on Jezebel, too. And, um, you know, other articles about this online. The comments have been really fucking enraging because they all tend to go into the whole, well, this is terrible. You know, it, 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 it really gets into that whole good-bad food dichotomy that we're so fond Ew. of talking about. And, you know, well, this is some people saying, a surprising number of people saying, I don't really, you know, A, that doesn't look that bad, and B, I don't really care, it tastes awesome, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to keep eating it, uh, you know, and then, they, then... I don't know what they put in, like, like, something's on that list that they're not telling us about, because when I drive by the Taco Bell, <laughs> it, like, it's like those old cartoons where the aroma wafts. <laughs> and hooks its no- fingers, its little steam aroma fingers into the nose of Elmer Fudd and, like, pulls him wherever. And I don't even eat Taco Bell. Like, maybe, I haven't for years. Maybe it's the unnamed spices. Because <laughs> um, that is... I, um... have, I have a lot of grain allergies, and I think, like, listening to that, the oat content yeah. um, might explain why I get sick every time I eat it. I'm really sad. <laughs> well, I think that and I think that that's that was, you know, something that other people have said too that, you know, like, wow, you know, I hope nobody with a gluten allergy goes to eat a Taco Bell. Although, I I mean, if you have a severe <laughs> gluten allergy, I doubt you would be eating a Taco Bell anyway. Uh, yeah. you know, let's be fair. But the thing the thing that bothered me was the repeated um assertions to this food being terrible and free of nutrition. And, you know, also there's always in these conversations an element of classism that really, I was go, go ahead. Say, especially for some reason with Taco Bell. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, especially for some reason with Taco Bell, like there's maybe because you can get a taco for 99 cents. I don't know. There's this idea that it's the food of, you know, druggies and and only the lower class who can afford no better. And like dirty illegal immigrants. Let's not forget yeah, them. <laughs> That's right. You know, there's this like, like it's not like McDonald's is doing any better. But isn't Taco Bell is like the lowest of the low. And I mean, it's a fucking fast food taco. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It it makes me angry. And it um. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, uh, yeah, the good food, bad thing, good food, bad food thing has been enraging me quite a bit. And the moralizing that goes on around people's food choices and people not choices, like when that's all they have access to, that sort of thing. Yeah, the one of the the repeated sort of thoughts that I kept seeing was people responding to those who were saying, you know, whatevs, it tastes good. If I'm hungry and I want a fucking taco, I'm going to eat it. Um, The response to that that is, you know, about that, you know, wow, you're so ignorant, that you're ignorant of this this toxic poison. 
uh, yeah. that that Taco Bell is pumping into your veins. And I mean, we saw this to a lesser extent, I think, with the whole uh, supersize me obsession that you know yeah. we had as a nation for a while. Um, which I had a lot of problems. I mean, I, I, I still have not seen that movie all the way through because Morgan Spurlock just irritates the piss out of me. And I'm I sure... I seen any of it. I'm sure he's probably, no. you know, in private life, I don't doubt that he's a, a nice guy. Um, I'm sure somebody will be like, no, he's an asshole, and I can tell you why. <laughs> um, but I don't want to assume that. I just, there's something about his personality you know well I, I hate Sandra Bullock and I'm like the only person I know who can't stand her and again I'm sure she's nice she just annoys me and you know it's just one of those things we well discussed... like you and Jack Black <laughs> yeah I was gonna say we discussed my unreasoning hatred for Jack Black I'm sure he's a lovely person but I'm yeah, uh, yeah. so I I like, incoherent with hatred I wanted to have <laughs> enough of a grasp of the the documentary to be able to sort of speak to it even from a, a poorly informed perspective and you know but it had and and you know the other more recent thing was i think it was another gawker site that did this or at least they promoted it and someone else did it that um someone did an experiment with i think it was with a happy meal where they like took a happy meal and like put it out like on a table and then just left it for weeks and weeks and like the happy meal did not seem to change <laughs> In that time, <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> I mean, okay. the, I hope I hope they didn't get funding for this. I hope this was some, something some guy did in his living room. Um, <laughs> what's that? I'm not that's, sure what the value that's my happy of meal experiment. <laughs> I'm not sure what the value of that is supposed to be. Yes, I, there are preservatives in our food. Yeah, and that was surprise. It was repeatedly, like, all of the responses to that were, oh, my God, I'm so disgusted. I'm never eating a hamburger from McDonald's again. And I kind of feel like going, what the fuck did you think would happen? I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's a McDonald's hamburger. Of course it's going to be loaded with preservatives. That's that's how they, they roll, man. Like, that's how it sits under the heat lamp for two hours and it's fine. Yeah. I mean, you don't do that with raw beef. No, God, no. <laughs> And I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure somebody at McDonald's right now is quaking because they're thinking, oh shit, someone's going to test the meat content of our hamburgers and we're going to be fucked because you know that there is some sort of textural vegetable filler in there because that's just, that's processed food today, man. You buy a cheap ass hamburger, you you get a cheap ass hamburger. And, you know, I, I feel like the, the reaction, this reactionary, you know, this is destroying America sentiment is just ridiculous, you know, until, until we actually, you know, have, uh, I don't even, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm so inarticulate on this because it just made me so mad. My thought right now is that if Taco Bell were to like partner with Morningstar Farms and put some kind of slick marketing spin on this, uh -huh. it would become immediately like, oh, they only use this much meat and the rest is quote unquote healthful vegetable protein. Let's spin this for them. You yeah. can say by using less beef, they're um it's a greener product. Yes, because um, um less rainforests being destroyed less, for cattle grazing. Less less cows uh shooting methane into the atmosphere. 
Yes, um, and from an animal, you know, animal care perspective, that's, exactly. that's good too. Um, less meat means less of the, you know, I, that whether or not this is true or not, um, you know, excessive beef consumption is linked to uh, increased risk of things like uh, heart disease and certain kinds of cancer. So less beef technically less- makes it more healthy. Red meat also apparently takes longer to process in your colon, mm-hmm. so less beef in your burger contributes to colon health. Also, all those oats give it lots of good fiber. Oats to help are heart with... healthy. Exactly. So that's that's actually a, a positive, you know, sort of that'll expedite things for your system. Taco Bell, better. I want to check for this valuable. <laughs> Taco Bell's totally going to call us. I'm like, fuck your PR firm. <laughs> We just solved all your problems. But I mean, and that's that. This is the reality of this. Is that, and that's part of where I get so frustrated with the whole, you know, McDonald's is evil, Taco Bell is evil, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, KFC now is evil. Um, KFC. These are just choices. These are one of the things that Michelle um, at Fat Nutritionist has said that I always I love to throw at people is when and I catch myself doing this too when people condemn a food for being like totally lacking in nutrition. And Michelle has said, food has nutrition. <laughs> there are nutritional things. I mean, she would say it like a nutritionist, and I am not. But there's nutritional stuff in food. Even if it's food that we have morally deemed bad. Yeah. So, you know, let's stop saying that it's totally devoid of nutritional content. Because uh, in fairness, I think the only stuff that's totally devoid of nutritional content is probably inedible. It may have been, <laughs> Michelle, years ago, um, taking nutritionist classes, who said that a professor had posited to the class, you know, you're on your way to school. It's going to be eight hours until you eat again, you have the choice between an a- apple and a can- or an orange and a candy bar, which do you eat? The correct answer is you fucking eat both because it's going to be eight hours before you can eat again and you need the fuel. Mm-hmm. But most of the people in the class were like, I would eat the orange because it's a good food and la la la. And we sort of shoot ourselves in the kneecaps, calorically speaking. <laughs> you know, I think that because- was a mixed metaphor, but I like where you're going with it. <laughs> I'm freestyling. Um, (laughs) When we assign moral value to food. Yeah. So, you know, it's... (laughs) I I take a lot of shit because my friends, lovely people that they are, um, especially in college, remember when, you know, my my sort of at least I'm eating breakfast breakfast was a Coca-Cola because I don't drink coffee. Mm Mm-hmm. So fuck y'all judging my Coca-Cola. I don't drink coffee. I've never understood the whole judging Coke in the morning thing. Yeah, I don't know, but because I get a lot of I get a lot of shit for that. You drink you drink a, a a giant fucking iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts that is loaded with hazelnut syrup and sugar and cream, and that's a okay. But a Coke is unthinkable. I don't understand yeah. that. I like the acidic burn. Leave me alone. I don't like. <laughs> But so, like, especially in college when I was running late and I couldn't deal with food anyway and I was having some seriously disordered eating processes anyway, you know, I would have a beef jerky and a Coke. And apparently that's just the end of the motherfucking world. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? My other option was not to eat anything. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't matter because 
because we have loaded food with such moral value, people would rather see you not eat at all right. than eat something like from Taco Bell. Yeah. And just, I mean, it enrages me because it's, you know, judgy and food shaming and moralizing anyway, but it's also actively fucking bad for people. Yeah. Like, if I'm going to go to my eight-hour day at school and that is what it takes to get me to eat, then that is what I need to eat. Yeah. So, rawr. Well, I mean, I think as we've said, we, we having all of this morality and, and value judgments associated with food basically tells everyone that there is a particular correct way that you should be eating. Yeah. And if you want to eat in a different way, then there is something wrong with you. And yeah. you shouldn't give in to that. I mean, example, most recent example off the top of my head is lately I, and now admittedly it's been Arctic cold up here in Boston um, for, I don't even want to talk about the weather. It's just not been good. <laughs> and it's chilly here. I have had for dinner for over the past two weeks, at least five times on weeknights, I have had um, a big bowl of steel-cut oatmeal for dinner. And, you know, that the first time I did it, I sort of was like, it's, it's weird to me that I associate this with poor folks because I know that yeah, I've, I've known kids who grew up poor who very often would have oatmeal for dinner because it's very filling yeah. and it's really inexpensive. Yeah. And very often kids, you know, who won't eat anything else, and if you're feeding kids on an extremely restricted diet, um, I mean, kids can be picky if they have the world to choose from. Uh, if you don't have, you know, if, if you're literally down to $3 until the end of the month for food, um, you know, you want to pick something that your children are going to freaking eat without complaining, and it's going to fill their bellies and, you know, make make them, you know, go to bed okay. And I, you know, I have this sort of association and I was thinking, you know, that's just so, it's so it's kind of tragic, the idea that the only people who would do this are people who are too poor to eat anything else. Because the reality is oatmeal for dinner is really fucking good. It's, it's warm. Um, it's like soup, but it's heartier than soup. And everyone knows I am a big fan of soup. Yeah, you are. Um, and it's, you know, if you can, I usually do, I'm very particular about how I prepare my oatmeal. I hate rolled oats. I will only eat the steel cut oats. They have to be cooked to a precise texture and liquidity, which is actually not that liquid at all. And then I um, add a little pinch of kosher salt and a slightly bigger pinch of brown sugar. And then I serve them with about a tablespoon of heavy cream. And I'm telling you, Marianne, it is the most satisfying and delicious fucking dinner that I can think of right now. That's really that, awesome. That I can make on my own in about half an hour. Yeah. And it, you know, that's, but that's also something that, you know, I, if I tell people, you know, well, well, what do you have for dinner last night? Oh, I had oatmeal. The assumption every time I've said that to someone is, oh, you know, haven't gotten paid yet, huh? <laughs> And it's like, well, no, I haven't, but I still, like, <laughs> but I would have eaten the oatmeal even if I had. <laughs> I've been hitting the grilled cheese sandwiches on a pretty regular basis, mm -hmm. and I get some of the same response with that. And I think part of it is that in America, we are really obsessed with meat and having yeah. meat at your meal. And if you don't, it's because you're poor. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
which I mean is bullshit. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's interesting that grits don't necessarily have the same baggage as oatmeal. It's true. I love grits. Oh, love grits with some so butter. Oh. oh, I made cheese grits on Sunday. Oh. I, I made I made oh, sawmill grits. I made sawmill uh, gravy and biscuits, and yeah, I'm not even going to tell y'all about making that gravy because you will lose so much respect for me. Talk about <laughs> talk about a food that is well, you start negative, with bacon fat, negatively loaded. You cook it's sausage fat and or sausage fat or bacon fat. Well, this is the thing. I have to use both because, and this isn't something that you think about anymore. Sausage today is not like the sausage of yore. Yeah. Most of the, the sausage that you buy in the supermarket, unless it's sort of local, um, and we do have local sausage places, but they're not always there at the supermarket when I need them. Cause the just, just lay it out. If you get the tube of Jimmy Dean sausage. I do. Oh, or or Jones. Dean. Jones works too, but usually it's Jimmy Dean. And I like the hot one. And yeah. you cook up that sausage in a pan, and then you take the sausage out of the pan, leaving the fat behind. But the thing is, modern day sausage doesn't leave enough fat in order yeah. to make gravy. Because so it's you, too lean. You have to supplement the fat. So I supplement the fat with bacon fat because yeah. I, like, like, you know, many members of my family before me, know of the joy and beauty that is to be found in, in saved bacon fat that you keep in a container yeah. in the fridge. It's it's a fantastic seasoning, and and you're if you're thinking I'm gross, then fuck you, man. <laughs> so you supplement. We have often waxed rhapsodic about <laughs> bacon flavored vegetables and other things. Yes, and it's subtle. It's subtle. It doesn't it doesn't ruin the vegetable. You taste the vegetable, but it has a subtle. Like like it spent a, a delicious weekend side by side on the beach with some bacon. You know what you know? I have in my fridge right now? What's that? Acre peas from my grandmother. Oh, yay. <laughs> I'm going to eat them when we're done with this. It's going to be yeah, amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, so you mix up the fat and you add, you supplement the fat and then you put in your flour and then you put in milk and you cook it until it, it boils down and then you dump the sausage back in. And it's basically a cast iron skillet full of sausage and fat. And then you put that over biscuits, which have more fat oh my God, in I'm them. I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> Biscuits and gravy is like, oh, it's, it's, if, if we're talking about food is not the enemy, biscuits and gravy is not your enemy. It wants to make sweet, sweet love to you. <laughs> they there's, do. there's, I mean, really good biscuits and gravy has this wonderful mix of, mix of textures and flavors mm-hmm. and it's warm and it doesn't sit super heavy because your biscuits are fluffy, not yep. bricks. And it's not a whole fuckload of meat. No, it's very little. You know? And I mean, that's the thing. Like, I've I've been thinking about my great grandmother a whole lot lately um, because I seem to be turning into her in some respects. <laughs> and I have been noticing that my favorite foods are the foods that she fed me. Mm-hmm. And what she fed me is, you know, <laughs> Southern Depression food. Yep. Florida dirt farmer food. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> wow, my favorite <laughs> foods are like biscuits and gravy and chicken and dumplings. And um, as we make these sorts of one pot meals that my great grandmother made, it's all about 
okay, I have one chicken breast and a bunch of flour. I need to stretch it over a week's worth of food. Right. You know, it's, um, it is an interesting sort of realization to, to sort of realize how influenced by that I am. But yeah, I mean, it's well, I, fucking delicious. I think there's, you know, there's, there's sort of, when I, if I, when I do make, um, biscuits and gravy, which I do maybe, it's kind of time consuming. I do it maybe like once a month, sometimes every two months. Yeah. Um, the really cool thing about that that I've noticed, and it's it's this is why it's like farm worker food, is you have that in the morning. I'm not hungry again until like five or six o'clock that night. Yeah. And I don't feel totally like like logy and gross and oh I don't want to move. It's not that kind of a fullness. It's a you know, I've got a shitload of fuel here that, you know, I don't need to supplement, you know, and I can get through my whole day and I'll be totally raring to go. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, when we when we pass judgment on foods for their class associations, we're missing the fact that these foods are as functional, if not more so, than a lot of the so-called, you know, healthy you know, middle class or upper middle class or yeah. upper, upper, upper class. Grits and eggs will keep you full a yeah. long time. Yeah. Grits and eggs will, yeah, you will totally be good for most of the day on yeah. that, depending on, on the the thickness of the grits, I find. <laughs> <laughs> I like them pretty thick. I like them but, like, like where you put them on a plate and they don't all spread out. Exactly. <laughs> like when you're stirring, they're kind of all moving at the same time. Yeah. Because they're, yeah, they've got to be very thick. And uh, um, Granny DePratter would occasionally fry leftover grits. Oh, my God. That's the best thing ever. I have some leftover grits to experiment with that. Because I've never done it. Because my family kind of moved away from that. Like, as they moved... I mean, Granny DePratter lived in a trailer in a small North Florida town as as my family moved away from that as their humble abode. Yeah. They kind of moved away from that style of cooking. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, that nobody else in my family fries grits anymore. But it's it's kind of like polenta. Well, that's what I was about to say. This is an interesting fact that sort of is more than anything else kind of breaks down this fake class divide. Grits and polenta are actually the same damn thing. Yeah. They're produced in the same way. They're cooked in similar ways. Um, the only difference is polenta generally we tend to assume of as being that very thick, sturdy substance. Yeah. But you can do the same thing with grits. You just cook them down more. Um it it's actually this literally and i've read this i read this in one italian cookbook and i was like yeah no and i've since read it in like i've since read it in like four or five different places so i'm i'm really believing that it's true at this point that they're actually the same food but grits particularly you know when you get out of the south have this incredibly I don't want to say negative, but it really is negative. Yeah, I'm like, they really do have a negative You know, this negative connotation of being, you know, like poor hick food. Yeah. And polenta, however, is like an Italian delicacy. And it's say, the same it's fucking food! It's got a foreign name! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I mean, that more than anything else is an illustration of how ridiculous that shit is. That, yeah. you know, we, we have decided that polenta has value. And grits do not, 
But the only difference between the two of them is the name, and also the fact that sometimes polenta is yellow, but sometimes you can make, I mean, that has to do with the way they process the cornmeal. You can make um, grits yellow if you put cheese in them. There you go. <laughs> and you make you can make you can make polenta with cheese, which is a very common way yeah. of you know serving polenta. So it it really is the same fucking substance, but we have given it two different names, and as a result, you know, in in one incarnation we think of it as being something that is almost gourmet, and in another we think of it as something that is embarrassing and you know sort of low. And it's it just you know let's when when we break it down like that it becomes really obvious that most of our assumptions about you know certain kinds of food or eating certain foods at certain times of day is like a class thing is just it's just offensive and stupid. Yes. All right. Well, I, I think... feel like I should take this moment to be like I love Paula Deen, y'all, <laughs> because. <laughs> Like, I don't have cable, so when I watch Paula Deen, it's inevitably, like, on vacation, and I'm mesmerized by the flickering light of cable on the Food Network. <laughs> so Paula Deen had this other chef on her show, and he was making um, soft-shelled crabs and grits. And he did not put enough butter in his grits for Paula Deen's taste, so while his back was turned, she put more butter in his grits. <laughs> Oh, that's, like, that's a beautiful moment. Apparently, she had agoraphobia. Wow. Paula Dean is a really interesting woman. Interesting. Yeah. Her hair kind of scares me. That's why I have trouble watching her for long periods of time. She reminds... she. My mother looks a little like Paula Dean. Oh, does she? Yes. <laughs> and so it's a, little, it's a little back and forth on the association there. <laughs> um, I want to end uh, just by giving a quick shout out to two different events that are going on. Let's. Uh, because I think... What? Let's. Okay. Um, I think that, you know, we talk a whole lot about the value of community, but when you're sitting alone in your living room on your computer, like, I don't have any fat things to do, you know, it's it's really hard to feel like part of a community. And people are more and more organizing specifically fat events um, from, um, you know, from just people talking about shit like oh we should get together oh we really should get together and suddenly you have an event on your hand um the first one i want to throw out there is plus london 2011 which looks really exciting um i wish i could go that's saturday february 5th and there's a bunch of bloggers getting together there's uh representatives from various clothing Companies, Ijiji, Evans, et cetera, et cetera. I'm jealous. I know. I'm so excited because it's a specifically fat fashion blogging event. And how fucking cool is that? And it's international, which I always like to discuss because it's not like fat activism is a U.S. only kind of thing. No, no. I hereby invite any sponsors who want to pay to send Marianne and myself (laughs) To the UK for this event, please. Thank you. Yeah. Proceed, <laughs> <And I've>, Maria. <laughs> I would love to hear from people who attend Plus London. Yes. Um, hopefully we'll get a whole lot of posts in various blogs about it, but it sounds really excited or exciting. I am very excited. I think That's it is also crap. excited, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> the, um, the other thing that I really 
really, really, really wish I could justify the the airfare for um, is a clothing swap going on in Chicago. Um, organized the gold by Jessica. and the beautiful. The gold <laughs> and the beautiful. Yes. Your weight in gold. Um, uh, organized by Jessica, tangled up in lace. Uh, that's coming up February 13th. It has in like Chicago. the most. It has the most beautiful flyer I have ever seen. The flyer <laughs> is so superb. We'll link to that. Yes, and there are. Um, well, it's got a Tumblr, and plus London also has a Tumblr. Okay, I'll link to both of those. Okay, um, I really fucking want to go, and uh, it sounds like it's going to be pretty damn amazing. Uh, lots and lots of good things going on there, and. You know, that came about because some people were like, oh, I'm going to be in Chicago. Let's have a fashion swap. You know, it's just that simple. Uh, There's other events that I have overheard that are sort of in the works. There's a fashion swap that may be taking place in Texas. Um, If you guys know of any events, happenings, conferences, etc., let me know. I'm always interested in these things. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Fucking times. I love to see... I love to see things like this sort of grassrootsy, I don't know, event spread and and get bigger. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think I think that you know all you know this as as awesome as the online communities are, um, there's something special about actually meeting up in in you know sort of three dimensions and and sharing space together and, and being fat in the same room together. So, yeah, events are fucking awesome. And actually, this is really early, but, you know, y'all should be making plans to go to the Fat Girl Flea in New York in April. If it is oh, all, yeah. if it's all possible for you, um, the flea market itself is April 30th. Um, I, Marianne and I are probably going to be doing a live fat cast from Redress the day before. So um, we're also going to be running around going, oh, my God, I need to buy this because (laughs) it's an amazing shopping opportunity. The last time that I last couple times that I've been to redress, I haven't really had to do that at all because everyone just brings stuff to (laughs) me. That was how I got the that was the turret brought me the um, the uh, motorcycle jacket, the the Beth did a motorcycle jacket from last years collection which I had wanted and I didn't buy and I was like oh I am such an asshole I did not buy that (laughs) and yeah she walks right up she's like were you one of the people who was interested in this and I was like oh my god I'm going to make out with you right now (laughs) Deb brought me a gray military jacket that Mm -hmm. I am in the process of converting I'm I'm adamanting it up I was gonna say you're adamanting it up (laughs) (laughs) adamanting adamantium I have the best mental image of Wolverine oh. right now. <laughs> you know. Ah! Oh, that's um, rad. <laughs> hells, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, folks for whom that is a, you know, trip to New York in late April is a possibility, uh, you know, keep that keep that weekend open, hopefully. Uh, and like New you York can, in April. You can come and, I guess, you know, listen to us talk but we'll be in front of you. (laughs) Leslie, I plan to talk to people as well. I meant during the fat cast. (laughs) We all plan on talking to people, unless our mouths are too full with cake. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, you have been listening to the potpourri of fat cast information. <laughs> <laughs> I am Leslie. I am Marianne. And we will talk to you next time.